Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking about leaf hoppers. In our spotlight, we're going to look at a tile ferret, not a actual animal, an autonomous one. Ag history minute. We're talking about DDT, and we're going to give cool beans. That's cornea break this week because it's all coronavirus, and we're getting sick of talking about it. So you applied what is back, and we'll give you a GDU update. So with me today are Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So it's been hot <laughs> out, but starting to get a little bit better, a little more tolerable for humans. Corn, corn's been loving it, but me, not so much. This, <clears throat> this week was the first week my farmers actually... Like said, like the cows are starting to suffer. Yeah, no, I I've heard that from a couple of guys. Like they're just a panting when they're yeah. and moving. And from what I understand, I'm not a huge cow guy, but I think I like to know I or like to think I know a little bit. From what I understand, it's going to get worse when it does start to cool down because then for like two days they don't want to do anything but just lay there. Like yeah. they don't want to eat, they don't want to get up. Like it's just so, yeah. But it is looking like it's better. So this. This rain we got overnight, it looks like now we're in, it kind of changed the pattern a little bit because they were showing like hot all next week and hot for a while. And now they've kind of pulled that back a little bit. So that's it's still 80 every day, yeah. over 80 every day, but not 90 every day. No, there's a couple high 70s. So yeah. I mean, it's so a it, more... it pulled it down to a little bit more normal we, July. So, you know, if we could cut the humidity, that would be the, yeah. that would yeah. be the real ticket. That's what really kills you. And even <laughs> corn on those hot days, it likes it, but. When at night it was so hot and it can't recover, you know, and can't respire, that's not great either. Yeah, so. it still can get heat stress. Yeah. So. Good news is the barns these days, the new ones that are built are ventilated to beat the bands. You know, they're really, there's a lot of air moving in some of those new barns, so that should help a lot. As uh, as one of my um, childhood heroes would say, it ain't so much the heat as much as it is the gosh darn humidity. <laughs> <laughs> so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. stood we stood in a new barn yesterday, and it was really nice. Or Wednesday, it was really nice, like standing in there compared to outside. There was a really good airflow right right on the tunnel. It was perfect. You get like a ten mile an hour wind right oh, there. Oh yeah, and it you know it's it's a, it's not terrible in the shade with the wind moving. Yeah, yeah. No, for a few of those days it was all right in the shade, but then as soon as you stepped into the sun, it was like all right, I'm going back in the shade. Mm-hmm. And it made for a hot Fourth of July. I mean, it, did you guys it, blow anything up? Oh yeah. Always got to celebrate America by blowing. Everybody's got their fingers. Yep. Yeah. Fing- yeah. Hand check here. <laughs> no, Jason Pierre Paul's working. Here. No, not this year anyway. How how would you how would you do uh, um, yield estimates if you were missing fingers? You know, it'd be tough. Yeah. It'd be tough. Job Have to hazard. Chew the corn kernels off. Spit them out and count them. I guess. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, what, how many did you guys light off? Yeah, I know Matt lights them off. Yeah. No, I set off a few mortars. Only had one stick in the tube a little bit, got a little close, but did you, did you go put your run? Head. Yeah. I I always do like go back about 15, 20 feet when I set them off just in case something like that happens. But yeah, you, you could feel the little bits of stuff that come off of it when it does that. So I had a, I did a good show or I thought it was on a good show Friday night, um, so the night before 4th of July and then Saturday we went to a show and it was good. Um, but they, they were, um, they tried to make their own fireworks or not tried. They did, they succeeded and they had some really nice ones. And then they had a couple, 
uh, quality control was an issue. <laughs> so we had a couple, we had a couple uh, go off on the ground. We had a couple go all the way up and then do nothing and then fall back to the ground and oh. then explode when they hit the ground. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. So yeah, we had some that really had a hard time making it out of the tube. There, it was making your own fireworks is that's a bold move, right? Yeah. yeah I, I commend them because it does take a lot of time and effort and, yeah. and knowledge and they'll, they'll get better. But yeah, it was, it was interesting. There was some, there were some heart pounding moments there where I was <laughs> yeah. like, no, I, nine, no nine one one calls. I made. had, I had not had enough bush light corn cobs yet for those to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Didn't, didn't explode and explode, didn't explode. Where'd it go? Uh. Well, the first one that did that, it went up and everybody's like, Oh, it's a dud. Shucks. And then it hit the ground right next to the guy who was lighting him off. And I <laughs> thought for sure he was going to lose a leg because it was. They, at least it didn't go into the rest of the fireworks. Yeah, well, yeah. correct. Them all they, had one, they had one that did that, but they had a tent over it. So it just caught the tent on fire and they moved that out of the way. Um, it Not on fire, but it definitely smoldered. Um, so, yeah, that was a little, you know. That, Matt, that sounds like a Looney Tunes cartoon right there. Like goes was, up, comes down, hits the rest uh, of them. It, and just, tw- twice in my life I've had, you know, those the boxes you can get where they shoot aerials yep. tip. Yep. Ooh. And luckily one was away from one one time it was away, so it just shot to into the, a field somewhere. The other time it was at us <laughs> and we were pinned against a shed. We had nowhere to run back. Yep. It was sideways. It was the only Which wasn't gonna help you anyway. Right, there. yeah. So My, uh, pro I'm, pro tip we learned on when you get those, the boxes is um, our fireworks guy duct taped four of those together so they were more Wider, sturdy. More stable. Yeah. It, there were some bigger ones that were like rectangle, and those were fine, but the, the, the square the, ones. The problem we had was it wasn't on a flat surface. That, sure. And, and get so, a pallet. And a, so yeah. you're like hoping to try to either weight it down or balance it somehow. I know I know one of my friends, he listens every week. He really, he thinks he gets a kick out of this. And he, actually, it's funny where this story comes up because when we were younger, he uh, we had one tip over at a birthday party one year and he, he took one off the schnoz. It was a, it was a, it was a heck of a birthday it's for a birthday, grandma. Yeah. It was a heck of a birthday for grandma that year. We had, we ended in the ER, but you know, it's a good story now. It wasn't great at the time, but it's a, it's a good story now. Yeah. We had one, used to set off the little bottle rockets, you know, the, mm-hmm. like an inch inch long or whatever yeah. so they're not they're they just go kind of pop the yeah. ones you shoot out of your car window when you're driving yeah, yeah, yeah. that you could you could hold on to the stick and well <laughs> i had one the stick broke it was in a pipe and it actually shot back blew up right next to my uncle's ear Ooh. he couldn't hear for like definitely the rest of the night i'm not sure how many days afterwards but i've heard stories of like dad's uncles i can't remember exactly who would tell me but they said when they were kids they used to buy roman candles oh yeah and then do and they'd have roman candle fights especially like in the winter when you couldn't light the forest on fire they said roman candle fights were the way to be matt how was your zorro sword was that cool you had like a sword that you held yeah it was like a big sparkler basically okay did that shoot cool. out anything like a Roman candle, or was it? No, more... it, was, it just shot sparks. So okay, I was picturing like like a Roman candle. They put a handle on. It was like yeah, it yeah. was like a sparkler on steroids. Yeah, well, it was it was like three feet long. Yeah, nice. So, and it it shot sparks out the end, and so yeah, it was. We, it was kind of cool. We had some interesting sparklers uh, this weekend that were a little bit more aggressive than what I remember from I, sparklers. Did they, they were, shoot out the yeah, top? Yeah. I was like, all right, all right. Like we, gave those, one, we gave those to kids. Yeah. They're like, hey, here's a sparkler. And then all of a sudden, like the first one, yeah, the first <laughs> one held it. And it was just like a little, like a small flare spark. But it was, it was like, uh, maybe we'll just well, not 
point these at each other. And my thing was, I gave it to uh, the first one I gave out was to like a three year old, and <laughs> I didn't think much of it. I was like, it's sparkler. I mean, they touch the end, they get burned, like whatever, they'll learn. Well, she walks like three feet away and then turns around and stares at me like, okay, what do I do with it now? And then the thing starts shooting stuff out the end and I'm like, <laughs> you're dodging. dodging. I'm like, you need to go that way, please. Thank you. Like it was, you it didn't w- take it away from her. You no, just why would I take to- it away? <laughs> they got to learn. But <laughs> yeah. I was just like, yeah, we got to move. We got to move this party a little bit here. We're getting a little close. No, no, don't, don't put it in the gas cap. Well, no, no. And yeah. then, and then the kids like are walking close. And I'm like, you guys walk away from each other, please. <laughs> you know, it just, yeah. My, there, there is some hope, Max, for you to be a good dad someday. Then no, not yeah. I mean, may, I just don't want my kids to get blown up. With, I want my kids to enjoy fireworks as much as I do, which is uh, that's a disease. But anyway, um, I want them to enjoy them, not be afraid of them. Like because I had, you know, I know people that are like every time a firework goes off, they're like super uncomfortable, or like every time fireworks come out, they're scared that it's gonna, you know, gonna be an accident. And like they can be a lot of fun if you are semi-respectful and understand like hey maybe adults who haven't been drinking should be in charge of this <laughs> just the thought point of just, having just been drinking. like i i stayed i stayed pretty sober like on the fourth because i was like all right we're gonna do some fireworks and that's over you know we, you can do your fourth of july celebration but let's uh let's keep all our fingers intact and go from there it's always a good uh good choice on fourth of july to try to keep your fingers intact all right you guys ready to go yep. let's go all right today we're gonna talk about leaf hopper it's actually the potato leaf hopper, but it affects other crops, especially alfalfa. So what are potato leaf hopper? And Todd will tell us in just a second, but what I will tell you is they are not the little bugs you see crawling all over your cutter bar. Most of the time, those are just aphids. But we get calls all the time, like, haze full of bugs. My cutter bar is dripping with bugs. It's, what, what it's crawling. Yeah. The bugs are going to carry moving. it away. I heard, I heard this week, my cutter bar, or my... My cutter machine sm- smells like a dead animal because there's so many dead bugs on it. Um, I think we should have sprayed the hay. And it's like, well, eh, you've also cut a thousand acres. So you think of all the bugs in a thousand acres that could be on there. Just yeah. think about build up. Yep. Think about all the bugs you get in just fifty sweeps. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. You know, it is amazing when you do that. And I had a farmer stand next to me when I was sweeping some, and I was looking through, it and he he looked in the net, and he was like taken aback, like. Holy man, they're you know they're everywhere. I'm like, and, well, this is and we don't and we don't spray, and there's that yeah, much in yeah, there. Yeah, it's it's and, IPM. And a lot of it was ladybug beetles eating the aphids. Yeah, so yeah. that was good. I did but, see a lot of larvae around this yeah, week. Yep, a lot Def- of larvae. Definite uptake in in larvae this week. Yeah, they are feasting well. So, what is a potato leaf? A potato type? leaf hopper is a they're ba- they're very tiny, so they're only about uh, one eighth inches long, and they're kind of this bright lime green color. And they're more of a wedge-like body with kind of a broader head, and then down the abdomen is tapered. So they're they're I wouldn't say microscopic by any means, but you know, to your naked eye, they are hard to see um, unless they are in like a sweep net and kind of have that white contrast with their green body. So um, they have um, nymphs, which are a brighter lime green and smaller, and those would be the baby versions. And um, then the adults kind of get this winged and get a little bit darker green. And they do f- um, fly up here every spring, so they do not um, – they're native to North America, but they kind of overwinter in Mexico in the southern part, and then they come up on jet streams and, and different storms. So they, they don't overwinter in sort of the Midwest at all and then migrate here each year. So 
um, that's kind of some of their background and and what what they are. They are obviously called potato leaf hoppers, so they affect potato a lot more than a lot of our other crops. And um, but the secondary crops they do affect are put are alfalfa and soybeans. And typically on soybeans you don't see damage or you know rarely. But actually this year I think I did see some where I swept a soybean field and found enough. Um, potato leaf hopper in it um not that we were going to spray for it but that you could actually see it yellow the leaves a little bit and sure what soybeans have that helps is all the hairs on the stems and the leaves keeps them away um, doesn't yeah, it? and could kind of keep kind of keep them at bay and um, that's also the technology used in potato leaf hopper resistant alfalfa is they kind of bred hairs into that to sort of keep them away yeah, we swept a field this week where they were doing a little trial. We left a little patch um, to see how fast our quality dropped after cutting. And the rest of the field that was already cut, that was perfect. We were good on leaf hoppers, but you went in there and you could see it from the road that that spot that we left was yellow. and pounded, yeah. Yeah, and you, we took two sweeps through there and there was 20 leaf hoppers Holy in your man. net. And you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, they're... Uh Feeding is actually, and, and to call it feeding is kind of a weird term because they, they sort of just suck the sap out of the plant. So they have a piercing, sucking mouth part. So also if you see any leaves, you know, cut or or feeding, um, it's not leaf hopper. It's they suck the sap right out of the plant, um, you know, and then basically they that results in this hopper burn or a V-shaped yellowing. So the, the damage is a, a yellow... Um, kind of V-shaped from sort of the tip of the leaf in, um, and so the the that's what their their damage does, and that's almost in why why it's bad. As we got a lot that where you can see that they fed on it, and this one you don't know you have a problem until it's almost too late in a way, um, because also you'll see your alfalfa's yellowed up and and that it sucks the sap out of them. It is kind of amazing that this small of a bug can cause this much damage and that much injury and sort of be that big of a problem. I'm always nervous when we get new scouts for the summer, when we go to sweep leaf hoppers, because they're so small and you never know if they yeah, find if you, them. If, if, you, if you don't find one to show them, right. it's hard to say, like, well, just look for this. Yeah, And so, pictures of it are nearly, because of how small they are, a lot of the pictures, they're always kind of magnified. Because um, if you show them a picture of actual size, like next to a dime or something, it's it's still you it's don't still, your well, your eyes don't quite catch and that. Being able to compare them to like an aphid, because like you know if you just told oh, it's a little green bug, like you get that. Well, you're gonna get little green bugs, you know. Well, and they're so quick. You know, the adults yep. are so quick. You if you don't open the net up slowly enough, boom, they're gone. And I always have to have my long term scouts or the guys that've been around, like hey. Did you show this new scout when you got a leaf hopper what it actually was? Because there was a handful of summers we'd go and like this person would never get one, and everyone else is getting leaf hoppers, and they're like, "Well, or or the opposite, they're always getting something, and no one else is." And I'm like, "Did we actually show this new scout what it is? And, Do they know what they're looking yeah, for?" Yeah, and we're like, "Well, no, we didn't. Well, that's why they're getting something because they're obviously not seeing what they're supposed to be." So really, if you're doing your own sweeping. You know, make sure that you know what you're looking for. Or you ask somebody that's seen it because 
you can easily make that mistake. Yeah, if you're getting hundreds of what you think are leaf hopper, it's probably not leaf hopper. No, it could I've, be. It could, it could be, be, but it's pretty unlikely. Yeah. But generally, by the time you're seeing hundreds of leaf hoppers, you can see it from the road that you, your hay is in yeah, trouble. Right. If you're, you're at that, you're going to see the yeah the damage to yeah. the leaves. And I would say, you know, for scouting wise, target those new seeding fields first. Mm-hmm. Yep, they seem Definitely. to like those little tender guys, those little tender plants. I would also say. Uh, fields that got manure after a cutting um tend to be a lot lower yeah um is a trend that we're seeing so yep yeah in general that kind of kind of does hold them back a little bit that that application of manure so so what kind of thresholds yeah so talking max's four pillars that we talked about last week of ipm the first pillar if you remember is threshold so setting an economic threshold and then um you know um, how much you need, when you need to treat. And there, the UW, so Madison has a threshold, and that's the one we've kind of traditionally used, and we're going to get into some kind of newer thresholds that, that might be sort of helpful. But um, it's by height. So that's a really important thing is to check the height of the alfalfa. Um, so stubble to three inches is 0.2 leaf hoppers per sweep. And then when you get up to four to six inches, it's half a leaf hopper per sweep. And then... 8 to 12, it's it's one inch or one leaf hopper per sweep. And over 12, it's two leaf hoppers per sweep. So it's it's just a lot of times what can happen is you're at half threshold, and the next week you come back, you're at half threshold again, and you come back, you're at half threshold again. Well, it doesn't mean that the hoppers stayed the same amount. It means the alfalfa got taller, and then the, uh, you know, the aphids seem to kind of still build but be under that threshold of height. So that is a tricky one. And uh, one thing that Brian Jensen out at um, at the UW did teach me is that the height isn't always the height that you think it would be, is it's the stem length. So um, first crop, you know, when you cut it and then you go in second crop and you got the the alfalfa growing back is if you measure height from the ground, you're going to have that sort of stubble there. Um, and yeah, if the, if the alfalfa regenerated from the root, you're probably okay. But if you got alfalfa kind of regenerating from the sort of side of the plant is that, yeah, you might say it's six inches, but when you really look down to it, it might only be three inches long of that actual like alfalfa New there. Growth. Yeah. So he always kind of taught you like, um, cause a lot of people are like, wow, these thresholds don't seem right and all that. He's like, well, it's because you're, you know, if you cut at three inches, height or two inches, you almost got to subtract that out of this height number to sort of get it. So it is one thing you do have to watch um, is the height part is tricky because a lot of times you just sort of check the height from the ground and this is what it is and it's not always like that. So this one's just a generic like economic threshold, right, Todd? There's some that kind of take in. I had a question yesterday by a grower, you know, how do we take in consideration what hay is worth is there a do we have a threshold that maybe would work a little bit better on if hay price is high or if hay price is low what is neat is iowa state has a threshold um that they in about 2013 kind of released a dynamic economic threshold so um it's good work by iowa state to sort of take into account um the cost of treatment the cost of alfalfa obviously the height again is is in there in the UW one, they, they do take that all into account, but it's sort of an assumed value a little bit more. 
Um, and one thing, so running it today, um, and I use the value of alfalfa at $200 a ton, um, which is a little bit um, on the high side. That was hard to decide, Is but their chart goes from 120 to 400 a ton, so it's got a pretty wide range there. And, um, you know, alfalfa right now actually is probably in that 150, 160-ish range, but do you count? you know, what else it takes for the farmer to harvest. And it can be a different two for each farmer is the actual value. Um, but just using $200 a ton and then, um, it has the insecticide treatment. Usually that's between 12 and $15 an acre, um, for actual cost of application and cost of insecticide. So I did have some farmers say, well, it doesn't cost me 12 bucks an acre because I got my own sprayer and the insecticides only three, four bucks an acre. And I said, well, you still got to charge yourself something and have some value in, in what you're spraying. So you still um, have fuel and your time. You could be doing something else. Right. So even at $12 on the low side, I think it's pretty fair. Yeah, that's fair. So using that, it's about that same 0.23 on the three inch tall alfalfa, six inch tall though. That was, if you remember earlier, was half a leaf hopper and now it's 0.3 leaf hopper per sweep. So that's one where it really does change actually is in that sort of six inch tall alfalfa is there's a lot of time and there's a lot of times where you get six inch tall alfalfa and you're like, ah, it's just under threshold yep. at point four. Seems like and, every field. And, <laughs> right. Right. I, I swear this year, especially the leaf hopper know the threshold because they're always like eighty percent of threshold. Yep. They're, they're, te- like, they're telling the other they, leaf hoppers, like, hey, you guys go to that field, so yeah. spread out. Just jump over there. They're gonna spray us. Get out of yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> they're coming with the sweep net again. Just just get out of here. It, but it, what this does show is that the taller alfalfa, you got to put more value on that too. That those thresholds are lower. That we still got to protect that tall alfalfa. And tall, I wouldn't six inch tall is no. Not that. It's not. So it, it, but it does bode that okay. A, a week after cutting, it's usually in that three inches. About ten days after cutting, it hits six, and that's the timing where you still got a lot of time before you cut. Yeah, and they can still do damage. So, so yeah, it does show that 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 timing. Um, could be a good one to to you got enough plant material there to spray and potentially be good timing to spray. And obviously, as we've been talking, um, so the economic thresholds when to spray, how do we check those? We've been talking about sweeping. So sweeping alfalfa is the best way to determine the number of leaf hoppers you have, and typically you're going to do a minimum of a hundred sweeps to kind of check that, do the easy math. In a hundred sweeps, you can figure out how many per sweep, find find that threshold, and do that throughout the field, a couple different spots. And that's how we would do one, the one second thing pillar, would, the monitoring. Yep, I would recommend is doing headland and then sort of an inside of the field. Um, separately seems to help because a lot of time, even this week, it's we're getting half leaf hoppers per sweep in the headland, and then when you go inside, you're getting point one, So you can kind of see... Um, what the difference, cause they seem to might, you know, they migrate kind of into that field from the headlands. I, years ago, I, have you done that late? Years ago, we used to do where you just sprayed the headlands. Um, but lately it's, yeah, you know, it was like, mm, with the price of insecticide and yeah, right. this guy's having so much need for forage because we've had some poor years. Now that hasn't just, been as, yeah. Easy. yeah. Just, and I, and I don't know how well that even worked when we did it. I mean, obviously you're helping them from coming in a little bit, but, um, it was just hard to, that, that's didn't seem like it always worked like we thought it would work. So 
so yeah, sweet. Um, yeah, they're not butterfly nets what we're carrying out there. <laughs> so we're not just out for a for a fun time. And oh, you might not be, but and what's I'm weird? Just, I'm always just out for a good time, Todd. <laughs> yeah, mm, you're monarch hunting. Huh, well, man? Monarch Todd, hunting, Todd. If you wouldn't skip while you yes, were sweeping, yeah. I think <laughs> that would maybe yeah. make a difference. <laughs> Todd and his pigtail skipping <laughs> through the field. The the cool thing about a sweep net too it. It just seems like a regular net, but it is a 15-inch diameter net. There's actually calibration that's gone into using that. So my, my wife actually calls us Axel Rose when we do that because we got the, <laughs> got the sway, <laughs> the sway going. That's yeah, what yeah. she always says. Well, you're doing your Axel Rose again. So, no, my my grandpa he he obviously sees us all the time because right. you know, and uh, he always goes. He always would ask me like last summer, especially, what is that big stupid thing you guys are carrying around <laughs> over your head all the time? <laughs> or you know, a bunch of these jerks got out of the truck and they're walking around trying to catch bugs. And you know, it's funny. He's got everybody's got, that. I think that's probably the most popular thing that we do. That like people like driving by notice is the sweep nets. They're always yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. are these goons doing out here? All they do is catch butterflies and ride four wheelers. Yeah, know what, what it's a great job, isn't it? Bro, bro. I've had a farmer ask me to well, just sweep the whole field. Why are you just doing that? Just sweep them out of there. This should be easy. Sweet, sweep them out of there. Yeah, yeah. sweep the whole head. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Yeah, we're, we're gonna be to need a bigger net. I think we should invest in a hovercraft, maybe that down force of air. Yeah. We'll, we'll push I know there's um, like a vacuum type of system that. In California, they were trying where it would oh, like really? suck away the bugs. Don't you think that would just like suck up the dirt and uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, although it would be hard, especially though. in yeah. the sand. It probably takes pretty low pressure to suck in a leaf hopper. I would sure there think. you go. Maybe you could figure it out get that Dyson guy. Dyson, on yeah, yeah. yeah, say yeah. Dyson make a leaf hopper back. Yeah, it's <laughs> you got D- Dyson fighting with John Deere over the patent on the <laughs> leaf hopper vacuum. It's John Deere chassis with a Dyson leaf hopper vac. Just think of the marketing on that. Yeah. I think we got something. All right. So we've talked monitoring. We've talked thresholds. Prevention. How do we prevent yeah, the damage? Yeah, and you guys might be able to help me on prevention. I did struggle with on this particular bug. Um, one of the ways I could think of is cutting schedule is if you wait till all your neighbors cut and you cut last, there's a good chance they're all going to leave and go to the neighbor's crop. Um, so basically, you know, the guys kind of that wait till last probably got the least chance of having to spray for them. So just watching, um, how you cut, even I've, even with new seedings, I've been trying to time it where you can kind of trap them in one of your timings of cutting. Cause a lot of times, you know, you either cut new seedings right before second cut or right after. And if you can cut them before, then all of them will go to your older stains and then you spray those or vice versa. So, um, that was one way I thought of is just sort of trying to time your cutting, um, you know, to around these. But if you cut first, there's actually a better chance you're going to have more, you know, you're going to have more leaf hopper because um, the neighboring rest. fields around you are going to are going to migrate to a, that. So. A cultural thing that we've done is the guys that do put grass in with their alfalfa, we do see way less infestations. Yep. So if you like the grass, that might be a thing to do is little bit of a side effect there that you aren't predicting to happen but it does even the clover it seems like they're a little bit less there it must just be you know less sweet or whatever it is to a leaf hopper but clover seems to have a little bit less uh appeal even that matt mentioned earlier the manure thing yep. is a good yeah. idea to prevent i mean it's a good way to 
the top dress hay fields of manure, obviously get potash and all the other benefits. Um, I have seen it where we've had to spray it after manure, but it's quite rare. You know, it just seems like, um, obviously they, you know, they, maybe they, they drown pref- them. I, I think they just prefer others. You yeah, know, I it's sort so of a too, preference yeah. thing. Do you guys, do you guys believe in the, uh, the rainfall kind of getting rid of them or? Mm. I got a theory on the rain. I, yeah. I think my theory is it outgrows Sure, you sure. know, it speeds up the correct. You get more rainfall, you're going to speed up the plant growth, which then. Yep. But I don't think it. I actually think if if anything, it also makes the leaf hopper seem to sort of spike too. Is that yeah? I don't think for this one. I've had guys say, "Well, oh, rain will stop." I said, "No, I don't think it'll stop them. I think it just." I had one guy yesterday. I think it just makes it harder to find. <laughs> Because when you sweep wet hay, right? It's yeah. No, it's actually. Yeah. I mean, not recommended if it's heavy dew or real wet hay that we do sweep. You know that you got to kind of take that into consideration. You're, you're waterboarding the leaf hoppers when you catch <laughs> yeah, them in a wet net. Right. Stay in there, Max. That's against the uh, agronomy code. We cannot waterboard yeah. insects. <laughs> we can kill them with insecticide, but, but no waterboarding. Yeah. Nope. It's got to be a clean, clean kill, clean death. Right. <laughs> I uh. I I always hate catching bees in my uh, sweep net. Yeah, yeah. If you hear buzzing, that's always well, that's, like that's, that's hit, the, hit the eject button on that. You just dump them. <laughs> you're you're looking. Yeah, well, no, I don't know that I'm looking. At I that. I would say four out of five times it's a fly. Yep. Yeah. And then you're like, or like, uh, a, is like a, a big horse fly. fly. Yeah. Yep. But like, you know what? The dump, sixth time though, dump dump the net. Twenty five more sweeps or fifty more sweeps. Yep. Like it's okay. It's, it's not, not gonna. Hard. It's not gonna change your day that much to do it over again. <laughs> what will change your day is a bee sting to the face. Because <laughs> you got to get your face up in there to oh, be able yeah. to see them. You know? Like I and I, I. I don't know about you guys, but I grab the net and like check the edge first. Yep. Yep. And so then I'm holding it in my hand, and then I get it really nice and close, and then open that that little pocket like right in my face. Yeah. All right, and then this, that. yeah, the last pillar. Of this goes right into it is control. So um, main control is insecticide. Um, pyrethroids work really well. Um, just sort of a knockdown. A lot of them are kind of a two ounce rate, usually two to three ounce. Um, common. Well, what are you using? Are you uh, whatever? I mean, yeah. lots of stuff. Mustang yeah. Warrior, warrior, Arctic, the Warrior. Yeah. yeah, I did actually have a, a grower yesterday ask me like, "Hey." I've got some beehives next to one of the fields we're going to spray. Yeah, he, that, that was yeah. really cool. I commended him for that because he was just asking when to spray those fields. And I said, well, we want to do it when the – I hope I gave him the right answer um, – do when the bees aren't active. So I said, you know, morning or evening when they're kind of calmer and maybe back in their hive. And he's like, should I set back? And I said, yeah, maybe, you know, 50 feet or something. I don't know how much that's going to do. It is because – like- talk to a grower about that one good thing about when we're spraying this is usually the the alfalfa small so it's not flowering so typically they're not foraging in that alfalfa and i said that to him too like there's probably no reason for the bees to actually be on your alfalfa it's just you know yeah so but if the hives are right at the edge of the field like you say setting back doing what you can even you know alerting the hive owner that yeah, sometimes you know it is, yeah. sometimes they'll shut the hive which sure. i know on these hot days can be hard because the bees need to cool themselves and they have a hard time being shut in but the, the one spot i would watch is on a new seating where it's really flowered real late and you're like well do we cut it or spray sure um and there we found a lot of bees and i think that year we decided just we weren't gonna cut but we're like well let's cut because otherwise we'll kill all these bees and stuff so it's it is a good point to think about. Well, and, and you got to watch too. I mean, it's, it's a lot better now than it, it used to be as far as labels, but um, your harvest interval on on your insecticide too. 
Yep. Yep. I'd, I would say most of them are seventies. Yeah. Yeah. About a week. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, think most insecticides work pretty good. I mean, there's so many generics out now too that pick one that you like. And I would know. say too with the pyrethroids, they're they are more of a knockdown and less residual. Yeah. Because um, we, we'd say you get you know at the two ounce rate, you kind of was always like a week per ounce was sort of the idea, but. You know, say you go three ounces, you get three weeks residual, but I've seen it where it just seems to be that you get about two weeks out of it and and then they might be kind of building back up. Good news is, though, at that point, Todd, you're going to be your hay is cutting again. Yeah, you're you probably it, waited a week from cutting to sweep, so you're all a week ready. And then if you get two weeks, you're already at three weeks. You should throw that in the threshold, like with the Harvextra alfalfa where we're cutting. You know, cutting schedule, like, are you going to cut in 28 days? Yeah. Are you going to cut in, in 40, 35 or yeah. 40 days? That's a huge difference yep, of of what maybe you need to do or how Yeah, if you're thinking so. about a week after cutting spring and you know that you're not going to be cutting in 21 days, you're going to be cutting in in 35 days, that's, that's a lot extra time to wait. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that should be a thought now, too. All right, so there you have it. If you're looking for leaf hoppers, you want to monitor, sweep it. If it meets the threshold, then control it with insecticide. And for prevention, applying a little manure or just changing your cutting schedule a little bit can help to mitigate those little pesky boogers. So now we'll move into our spotlight for today. And Todd's sleeping on the wheel from oh, Music yeah. Guy. Oh, yeah, I got a music, yeah. music guy. Let's go, Music I'm Man. I'm too excited about the spotlight because I found this, like, cool rover thing that wirelessly tracks your Yeah, like a, tiles, a so. tile rover, yeah. So Our, the troubled, fine troubled tile with the autonomous ferret. So what? what is the autonomous ferret, Todd? So it's, it's cool to Google the picture of this thing. It's like a, basically it's a camera on wheels Tracks. And yeah, tracks. Thank you. There are tracks. Um, and it'll basically you can kind of stick it in your tile and then drive it up it and look for, you know, where it's broken, where it's, you know, a sinkhole is or, you know, help you kind of look at it. And I, the way it looks, it has like a GPS thing. So obviously, you know, it'd be underground and then you'd follow that and then you'd know, okay, it's right here and I can start digging. Um, it does say it needs to, it's got to be four inch or bigger uh, tile and it's got its own like LED light source and then cameras and guess the speed on it, how fast this thing could go. Two miles an hour. Uh, five miles an hour. Yeah, it's five, four to five. So that's that was pretty, pr- fast. that's pretty fast. Yeah. I thought that too. Like it's. You can really cruise tile lines. Gi- yeah. It's given okay. there. I wonder if you could ever get lost in the tile. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you get way up the oh, tree. I, I'm sure. You definitely could. De- How do you get the thing back well, out? I'm sure you just start digging and yeah, I suppose. break it out again. Yeah. It does say the operator yeah, but, has well, to be. Why would you want to start digging though? Like, because I would want to be able to check tile lines, like go in an outlet, like right now while the corn's growing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. No. And just. Yeah. So you can't, you don't no, want to just go and dig in the middle of the If it a broken corn. one, right. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying that'd be the only way to get I de- it out, I think. I mean, this looks like something out of my childhood dreams. It does. Like, like, but I definitely would get this lost, uh, guaranteed. This looks like something that'd be on some spy show. Well, uh, see, it's got a 60-minute runtime, so it's actually pretty That's good. That's pretty for good, a too, yeah. 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 I suppose think about that of a where you always compare it to, like, our 
quadcopters or our drones and you know that's got to hold that weight up and this yeah. has to just drive, drive. it forward what what, is, what are our drones at right now like 30 minutes yeah 20 a good 20 yeah 25 yeah yeah it does say you have to be 50 feet from the drone so like to, to communicate with it so you have it to says, follow it yeah it says that you can walk with it or just ride your atv kind of over it and then it it kind of replaces basically a you know the old the the camera cable where you'd shove that in a tile. Yep. And so, you know, it'd be it's it's nice that you can have something to replace it. So I'm sure this will be in, you know, for city crews and all that where they got to... Yeah, sewer inspection. I'm, yeah. like I'm kind of surprised this is like a new... Like, I feel like someone would have had this for a while and like a camera you could... I guess they probably have like a pipe camera that you can feed in by hand or something, but exactly. not, a, yeah. not a self-driving, self-contained... Right, it's more of the endoscope type But we've had like that. rovers for a while, like... This technology yeah. is not like brand new. That I agree with you, Max. We can throw a rover on the moon, on, on yeah. Mars, and yeah, yeah. three, yeah. four different ones on Mars. Yeah. But, but we still got to go wherever there's water ponding and assume there's a tile line there that's broken. Yeah, but not anymore. I so thought I thought nope, the price would be yeah. way more than that. Yeah. Did we say it does it does have mapping on it? So you could. I I think that's how I don't know what you get in the whole software package or how that works, but obviously it sort of must tell you where it's at. Um, and you're 40 or 50 feet radius from it. It's so true. It can, I just think but, about the times that we do do try and do tile mapping for people to try and help them out. Like if we could have a, a but set. it'd be hard to run all the yeah yeah be hard yeah that much length of tile with something like it's this. 60 minutes of crack <laughs> yeah yeah. Be. Well, I guess if you're following it with a four wheeler, either way, you're you know you're doing it anyway. Yeah, you're gonna get, you can you can run something. You can run your handheld on the four wheeler or whatever that may be. I think when guys are trying to find tile, it would be a lot handier than right. going back to a GPS map. You just shove it in. And it's right. true. Like, yeah, I know right where it is. It's right here. Yeah, so it's scheduled for launch July of 2020 right now, but it's sort of a limited launch. And then full launch will be early 2021 by sold directly by Davos, Davius, D-A-V-A-U-S. So, Yeah, Davos. 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 All right. Well, thanks, Todd. Now let's move into our egg history minute. Hey, music. Hey. I love the banjo. All right. So today we're talking about DDT. So in 1939, a chemist in Switzerland developed a new compound that would profoundly change the lives of farmers and ordinary folks around the globe. Paul Muller was working for J.R. Geige firm when he demonstrated that DDT killed the Colorado potato beetle, a pest that was ravaging the potato crops across America and Europe. DDT quickly became the new wonder insecticide and was credited with saving thousands of human lives in World War II by killing typhus-carrying lice Ooh. and malaria-carrying mosquitoes. It was the first organic chemical insecticide, meaning that it is carbon-based molecule. In the years to come, the product of the 30s would go from savior to scourge. DDT was eventually banned, but it opened up a long line of new organic chemical insecticides that would change agriculture. So, yeah, it was the counting crows. Farmer, farmer, put away your DDT. Yeah. It's interesting because whenever you hear about DDT, it's all bad. Uh, it's all the but, negatives, yeah. But you don't about know about, like, in, like you say, in the 30s that it... Of the good it did before they realized the bad. Isn't it like Stone Cold Steve Austin's finisher is a DDT? Yeah. Uh, it's something like that. I was trying to think of what it, what it was. I think it's a DDT. Is it DDT? I'm pretty yeah. sure. 
Seems, seems like the two things that when I think about really bad is Agent Orange and, and DDT. DDT. Yep. <laughs> two things my grandpa told me about. Yep. Yep. Bad news. But Silent Spring, that was DDT, right? Yeah. Yep. Rachel Carson. Rachel Carson's, yep. yep. But DDT, uh, you know, obviously it was banned, but like it says, it opened up a whole new line of, of insecticides and really was a big stepping stone for where we're at today, even though, you know, it doesn't have a great history, but, you know, it helped. It helped us get somewhere. Got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah I, very few things are perfect in their in their infancy. infancy. Yeah, I mean, except for you, Max. I've only gone downhill since infancy. Cut <laughs> <laughs> the reverse Benjamin button. <laughs> All right, if you like what you're hearing, please go to naicc.org. There you'll find a crop consultant in your area. And we don't charge for a podcast. We like that you listen. And if you like what you hear, please just show somebody else what a podcast is. You don't even have to tell them about ours, but download the podcast player that you like on your phone. We like, I use Podcast Addict. You can use Apple Podcasts or anything else and just show a farmer, you know, what a podcast is and show them some of the other ones you like and please put ours on that list. That would be great. Matt, how do they follow us? Yep. If you like what you're hearing, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. So now we're going to move into, you applied what? What did you do? We've been waiting for it, and I just <laughs> heard it, and I'm so happy. It's back. So It's a big hiatus for that yeah, segment. We, we took uh, June Dairy Month off, and so it's, now we're back. It, it's coming back with a vengeance, apparently. Yes, I got quite a list here. So I'm it's just going to read them things off. Here? Yeah, there's a lot. I think you just made stuff up for a this ten, one. Yeah, that, that's why, because I heard two of these this week, and I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Like, the guy's like, I'm going to go straight. I'm like, what? So I had to look them up. But, so the you apply what is Vaquero, Volunteer, Avatar, Shadow, Cleanse, Dakota, Gatlin, Cowboy, tap out and Trizenta herbicides. So these are all. Is there a is there a fake one in here? There's a fake one. I want to be a cowboy, babe. I love that song. <laughs> so, uh, well, I, I know I I got the the gist, but I don't have any yeah, idea what, which yeah, is do you the, know what the do know what the gist is? Yeah, the right? Gatlin and Volunteer are clethodims. Clethodims. Yeah. Yep. So there. So they're, I know it's a clethodim, but. Like you said, Todd, there's so many names for these. I don't know which. No, the, clethodems blow me away. Is the, where where the booby trap is. I have no idea. Yeah, well, where they come. You know, they're select. select. I always call it select. The commas, yeah, right. most common. Yeah. And now that's become. I mean, I wouldn't even. It just seems like there are all kinds of different ones. I, that, I'm just gonna say, I feel like Trizenta is a pill that you take. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. You know, the like, ad right now, yeah. new from Glaxo Klein Smith, Trizenta. Ah. See, I was hearing it the other way. If you or if someone you loved has taken Trizenta and now suffers from ringing in the ears. <laughs> the lawsuit and yeah. yeah. Diarrhea. Blah, blah, you could blah. get a settlement. Yeah. So I'm going to go Trizenta. All right. That's a good guy. What do I, you got, Max? I'm so impressed like with some with names sometimes. like The amount of herbicides that we see on a daily basis, and there is still ones out there that I have never heard, heard of. of yeah. You know? Um, or just the trade name. I mean, not obviously, I know what Clethodim is. Um, I'm going to go... Uh, I see a couple different patterns in here. I'm I'm gonna go with cowboy. That's a good guess too, Bill. What's yours? I'm in the same boat. I got no clue. I'm gonna go with cleanse. Cleanse this just doesn't rhyme with me. Oh, I th- okay. So cowboy is the answer. Mac oh. is right. Is cowboy is not 
I, I even looked up, is it another herbicide or anything? And it's not. Hmm. And it's the reason a dumb team the reason Texas. I picked that one is the word vaquero. So vaquero is the herbicide I got this so week. It's Spanish question. for cowboy. It's Spanish for cowboy. Right? Nice. <laughs> so nice. I was like, wow, that's awesome. So, so vaquero was the one that prompted this correct. whole segment. Yes. And Avatar, that one years ago, you know, because like the movie. The movie? Yeah. Well, and then they'd use Avapel and Avatar oh, in sure. the chain, you know, and like, it was like, what? And then I liked, you know, Shadow Cleanse was one, too. It's like, was that a tank cleaner? Right, right. That's kind of where I was going Um, with that one. Dakota, kind of in that same cowboy-ish kind of, I guess. I don't know. And then tap out Gatlin and Trizenta does sound like a... a, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it sounds like some pill you would take. Yes. So, no, I just... The the Roundups, the Clethodems, all those of the world, it's just amazing the different ones that you run into. I I do a lot. As you guys know, I spend a lot of time... um, learning and trying to help with um, food plots. And that's like the biggest thing that is sprayed is, is a clethodim. And um, it's always these different names and none of these have I ever heard of <laughs> before. And it's, but clethodim is like the number one thing we spray in food plots. Cause basically nothing's wrong to bready, but we want to get the grass. Yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, so, if, yeah. if you can get the grass out, that at least helps. helps. Yeah. So it's really hard to spray um, sugar beets. You know, they do make round bready sugar beets, but that's besides the point. Anyway, you know, all right. So now we'll do our GDU updates for the week. So <laughs> that, that he's on time with. Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. He's got ready. the reggaeton horns figured out. All right, Bill, you want to hit us up with yeah. some GDUs? Yeah, we're we're moving along really good here. So we're going to do the same three cities we've been doing, um, Crivets. So we're going to go north, Seymour, where we're located, kind of central, and Sun Prairie. As south and uh, to date, Kravitz is at nine oh nine, which is um, forty five above normal. Which, if I remember right, last week they were they were either under or right at zero, so they've really gained. Uh, Seymour is at um, one thousand seven, and um, so normal for us here in Seymour is nine thirty five, which makes us seventy two above normal, which is good. We're we're above normal as well. We did it. And uh, Sun Prairie, we're about uh, 55 units more than what Seymour is. So they're at 1,061. And they're only 40 above normal. Um, we must have been hotter than they have been, which feels it's unusual. Like it. Yeah. Feels like. Are we, are we, really it seems hot. like we're gaining on them every week a little bit. We're getting yeah. a little bit closer. Yeah, we last, are. last week, Crivets and Sun Prairie were both eight below. Below. Normal. So they've really they've jumped 30 some. No, we were 24 above. Move the Corn Belt north. That's our goal, right? Well, move I, I move heard, the corn belt north. I did hear a, uh, a, a meteorologist say one time that at some point central Wisconsin will be more like central Iowa. So, with the heat that we're getting and how the climate's moving, so yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for today. So, thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Max. Yeah, thank Matt. Sorry, hey, Matt. oh, you're welcome. Max. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. Wow. Thanks, Max. All right. Today we talked about potato leaf hopper and how to look for it, get rid of it. Spotlight, we looked at a autonomous ferret for checking tile lines. Ag History Minute, we talked about DDT. You applied what? We talked about clethodem, which is a product to remove volunteer corn out of soybeans. And in our GDU updates, we talked about where we're at. And everybody's above normal now, so good news, I guess, if you're... Hoping for an early harvest. We'll see if it continues. Thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.